Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Amen. Well, what a privilege it is to be able to share with the church family today. God is so good. His presence is already here. Amen. Amen. Well, we have so many new people who have joined our church family in this season, so I thought it would be great to show you my family. Uh, You'll see a photo here uh, of my wife, Chelsea, and I, my beautiful wife, Chelsea, and I. We have been married uh, going on four years uh, this December. Amen. All the applause are always for my wife. Um, And then we have uh, our eight-month-old son, Apollos, who the Lord has just blessed us so much with. He is such a joy. I know he doesn't look like he's such a joy there, but that's because he has his dad's strong will. Uh, But my son is already outdoing me. He already has more hair than I do. Uh, But this is my family, and uh, I am so blessed. My home is blessed. And I want to talk about home dynamics today for just a moment. Now, we all, maybe think back to your childhood. We all have different uh, understanding of someone's house. Now, you might be able to relate going into someone's home, and you know, hey, this is the home. When you walk in, you better take your shoes off immediately. Right? There's other homes where this home dynamic is known for the good cooking. You walk in, you're like, hmm, your mom's cooking again? I'm coming over. You can smell it. You know the dynamics of that house is love and food. And then there's some, maybe like my grandma, uh, the house dynamic's a little different because for some reason they thought all the furniture should be covered in plastic. So every time you sit on it, it's not comfortable, it's cold, it's pretty much telling you it's to look at, not to use. (laughs) Right? House dynamics. I want to share with you some of the houses that have been influential in my life and my journey. This first house is actually my mom's house. This house, when I see this house, you might see, well, it's just another house, but what I see is I see strength. I see a mom who raised me and my my two siblings by herself, and I remember all the stories and all the moments where my mom deposited strength in me that the Lord would use one day. I see strength in that house. The next house, amen, the next house, this is my grandma's house. Man, I remember every summer where I would get to go down and spend time with my grandma and grandpa for maybe a month or so, but when I would see this house, I immediately am reminded of joy. I re- my, my grandma was such a woman of joy, and she would always allow me to have as many glasses of chocolate milk as I wanted. So this house was a house of joy. Now, this next house is the house of my best friend, uh, Carl, growing up. This house is about three houses down from my mom's. It's the big yellow house. I used to call it the big cheese. But this house, uh, my friend Carl was all Filipino family. His parents had a real thick uh, Filipino accent. But whenever I would come into this house, they would deposit seeds of the kingdom of God in my life. See, his mom would always invite me to church. His mom, she, she was the greatest evangelist because she's going to cook you great food and then she's going to tell you about the Lord. Amen? This house was a house where seeds were sown into my heart. And then this last house here, this is Chelsea and I's good friends. This is a, a home of a pastor. Their family, when I finally said yes to the ministry, I was broke. I didn't really have a place to stay. I didn't always have a budget to eat. This house was a house of hospitality. This house was a house of acceptance. There were so many times where I would hear about ministry, learn and grow in ministry, how to put together a message, how to lead a small group was this house. It was a house of refuge for me. And what I want to share with you today, and I want all of us to know, is that there is a house of mercy. Jesus is the house of mercy. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 5. 
uh, going through verses 1 through 5. So please follow along, or you could follow along in your app today. Uh, but it says, let me give you a little context before we jump in the text. Jesus is in his public ministry. He's already uh, t- spoken with the Samaritan woman and saw so many come to know the Lord. He had healed an official son. And then we pick up starting in verse 1, and it says this. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? A bit more. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Almost done. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Let's pray. Father, today, Lord, you already are doing a great work in our lives. God, your spirit is already here, Jesus. So, God, we pray in these moments, God, open our ears, open our hearts to receive from you, Lord. God, I pray that you would help me and speak through me today, God. Would you be glorified and would your church be edified? In Jesus' mighty name, every month said, amen and amen. Jesus is the house of mercy. Now, a little bit of context of what's happening here. Jesus walks through what is called the Sheep Gate. And why is that important? That's important because the Sheep Gate was in Jerusalem. It's in the northern part of Jerusalem, not too far from where the Mount of Olives is. But why it's important is because it shows that this was the entrance that they would bring all the sheep that were going to be sacrificed during the festival. And here we see the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, foreshadowing his entrance into Jerusalem, going to the Sheep Gate. Going to Bethesda, I'm sorry, uh, yes, Bethesda, going to the house of mercy. This pool would have, they also called it the twin pools. It would have been the size of a football field, two large pools with the colonnades surrounding it, where many of the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed would go. And if you were following along in your Bible, you might have realized, why wasn't verse 4 read? Well, no, I didn't skip over it. Actually, in a lot of the early manuscripts, verse 4 wasn't recorded. It was thought to believe maybe a folklore, but what they would believe locally was that each year an angel of the Lord would come down and would stir the water, and it was a race. The first person in can get healed. So Jesus goes to this pool where there's a lot of brokenness, there's a lot of uh, people who are uh, in despair, and he's on a mission to meet a man. And the first thing we have to understand about mercy is that mercy asks the question. See, there's such an important, vital question that he asked this man. There's the blind, lame, and the paralyzed, and there's an invalid man that had been there for 38 years. I want you to imagine, 38 years 
of suffering. 38 years of turmoil, 38 years of pain and wondering, will one day be my day where I can get in the pool? He had a limited scope of how his healing could take place. See, weakness, which is another word for invalid, really, the Bible doesn't say what condition he had. It just says he had a weakness. How many of us can relate to having a weakness? Everyone in this room, everyone that's sitting in that row with you, we all have a weakness. See, but what can happen with weakness when we have it for too long is we can become so acquainted with it that it becomes, in our mind, God's will for our life. Despair can become second nature, and pain can become our position on everything. The way we see the world, the way we view interactions is always through the lens of our pain. But can I tell you, Jesus is asking a question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And he's asking us that question today. Do you want to get well? What is your weakness today? And weakness is really just an absence for strength. So what area are you lacking strength? Does your marriage need strength today? Does your relationships with your children need strength? Do your finances need strength? Where is the area that you need strength? Because Jesus is asking, do you want to get well? Mercy asks the question, not to expose us, not to make us feel guilty, not to make us feel ashamed, he, didn't, he knew the man had an infirmity. Jesus doesn't ask us the question to make us, well, well, of course. No, he's asking the question because he loves us, because he cares for you, because he knows that when you go through pain for such a long time, sometimes we can think, well, that's just the way it is. You know, I get so encouraged, uh, and you, I'm sure, have too if you ever talk to Pastor Dave, but me and Pastor Dave were talking not too long ago. Uh, uh, we were just talking about healing, and we were talking about, uh, I had a, a back injury that was just so persistent, and I was telling him uh, how I went to a service, and I, man, I just kept going down. They prayed for me. Nothing changed. They prayed for me. Nothing changed. They prayed for me. Nothing changed. I was like, you know, Pastor Dave, I felt so bad, and I had to go to class. I was in college. I was like, I have to go to class, and they're chasing me as I'm walking out of the chapel. They're like, can I pray for you one more time? But nothing happened, and I was talking to Pastor Dave, and he, the Lord used him because he reminded me. He's like, look, God still wants to heal you. God still wants to deliver you. God's asking the question, I felt like Pastor Dave was already giving me the series. God's asking you the question, do you want to get well? See, God wants to ask it not to make us feel bad, but he wants to love us. He wants to show us. See, we have three types of people, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed that are at this pool. Blind people don't know. They can't see. They don't know when the angel's going to come down. How can they know to get in the water? Maybe spiritually you've been blind. You don't know the direction God has you going in right now. Maybe you feel lame. You don't know. You, you can see it, but you don't have the strength to get there. You've been sapped of all your energy. Or maybe you're crippled. You're paralyzed from fear, anxiety, depression. Jesus is asking you today, do you want to be made well? And to be made well is to be made whole. He wants to make our lives whole. He wants it to be holistic. He wants every area of your life to be healthy and thriving, not just one. We cannot believe the lie. Well, God, you can bless this, but you can never bless my finances. No, he wants to make us whole together. So let's look at this scenario. Let's just break it down real quick, paint this picture. So we see the location is the house of mercy. The man is assumed to be lame, but we know he's living in weakness. And then the question, do you want to get made well? So what can we learn from this? One, when we come to the house of mercy, when we come to Jesus with our weaknesses, He's asking us today, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Jesus is still in the business of making us whole. He is a house of mercy for each and every one of us today. 
So when you study Jesus and, and the healings in the Bible, actually in the Gospels, there's 23 times where Jesus would perform the miracle of healing. And as I was studying that, there was only six, though, that really stood out to me. There were six times where Jesus would heal, and it wasn't on the other person's accord asking him. See, most of the time they would say, Jesus, son of David, they, the blind man would hear that he's coming into town, or someone would come, can you heal my, my child, they're ill. People would go to Jesus and beg and ask him, but there were six times where they didn't have to ask a thing, and this man was one of them. Jesus, imagine this. There's going to be hundreds of people at this huge pool. Jesus is there. He sees the blind. He sees the lame. He sees the paralyzed. But our God is so good that he can see all of us in this crowd but still know your situation specifically and still have a word for you specifically in the exact season that you need it in. And so we need to learn that Jesus, why is this important that Jesus initiated it? Because sometimes we come into the house of God. Maybe today you joined online, you had full resolve that you said, I want to go to the house of the Lord, but you have given up still asking the question, do you want to get well? And I've come to declare to you that Jesus, it doesn't matter if you came in and you said, I'm not going to ask him, he's going to come to you and mercy is knocking at the door. Mercy is knocking at the door and saying, do you want to be made well, son or daughter? Here I am. He's coming to you. He's initiating and asking the question. Second thing we need to understand about mercy is that mercy covers our character. See, this man, he didn't have the greatest character. One, Jesus asked him a question. He completely ignores it. Now, at least he was polite because he does say, sir, but he completely ignores the question. Jesus says, do you want to get made well? He's like, well, Jesus, you know, there's all these lists of excuses. I can't be made well because every time this, the water gets stirred, there's someone faster than me. They beat me to the pool. Or every time it happens, there's no one here to help me. He's, he's blaming everyone. He's giving excuses. Now, I know no one in here or watching online has ever given excuses before, so we'll just learn from my life, Okay. So in my life, I mentioned already my mother, but I grew up without my father in the house. And so because of that, I had a lot of issues. I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of frustration. And it would play out in, in every area, really. I would act out. I would do something I wasn't. And I would immediately just, well, not my fault. I'm fatherless. Sorry. I would have a, a disdain for authority, especially men. If a man would try to speak into my life, I'm like, man, I don't want to hear that. And I had all these excuses, and I would say, well, it's because I'm fatherless. It was, it was my excuse for everything. I could be late to class. I remember one time I was late to class, my poor geometry teacher. I was late to class, and, I'm, and I just gave her this whole, well, it's because I'm, I don't have my dad at home. And I was, it, was a, it was excuse, excuse after excuse. I had a character issue. I had a character flaw. We can all be guilty at times of giving God excuses. But the second thing that this man did is he had a bad methodology. See, his understanding of the way of getting a healing was only through the water, was only through the angel coming. He had no, nothing in his mind was telling him, whoa, this guy I'm talking to right now could speak and I could raise up. His methodology. See, Jesus has come to heal us, not our circumstances. So sometimes we think that, well, Lord, you have to do it my way. You have to do the way I envision it. Lord, the way you're going to bless my finances is someone's just going to give me $10,000. Well, no, maybe the Lord says, no, you're going to clean yourself up. You're going to go to the job interview. I'm going to be there with you. You're going to get the job. You're going to work hard. You're going to support for your family. We have our ways, and God has his ways. And lastly, the man was lacking effort. He didn't really have effort. 
And Jesus, in this conversation with the man, I, I, is, when I look at the conversation, he's telling him all these things. I feel like he just gets annoyed. He's like, look, man, get up. Just get up. Rise up. The word get up is to be elevated, to raise, to lift. Rise up. Get up. Take up your mat and walk. See, mercy covers our character. It's okay that you might have given excuses at times. There's times where you maybe haven't given the God the best effort. Jesus is a house of mercy. He covers that. You don't have to come in perfect. You don't have to come to him having everything together. No mercy is going to cover you. I want to share with you John chapter 2, verse 23 and 25. It says this. Now, while he was at Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. See, Jesus knows our character. He knows our flaws. He knows our shortcomings. And he's here to cover you. He wants to cover you. We don't have to be ashamed to bring those things to the Lord. So we have to get up. We have to pick up our mat and walk. And I want to talk about don't forget your mat. You know how important your mat is? So I have this mat right here. Each year, uh, for a couple of years now, I've, I've been able to go to Nepal on a mission trip. And this mat has, it's been my best friend. But see, what can happen at times, Tommy, I hope it just won't mess you up. But what can happen at times is this man was bound to this mat for 38 years. This is what he knew. This was his life. This is what would remind him of the infirmity that he had. This is what would, would continually meet him every morning. All he had to look forward to was, well, I'm going to go to the house of mercy. I'm going to go to the pool, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to wait. And I'm going to hope that the water is stirred. And then I'm going to hope that someone will help me get, in and, or get into the water so that I can be healed. This mat became everything for him. But see, this is what Jesus is telling us. He's saying to get up, rise up, pick up your mat and walk. But see, what can happen when I go on a trip to Nepal for two weeks and I'm sleeping on this on the rocks on the side of a mountain and I get home, I'm like, I don't want this anymore. Where's my bed? I want to sit in my bed. And I immediately want to forget about the mat. But it's so important that Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. Why is that important? Well, one, it was the Sabbath. And so for someone to pick up and carry their mat would be very odd. It would attract a lot of attention. People would ask, wait, why are you carrying that? You're not supposed to do that. And you know what he's going to say? Well, the man who made me well told me to. See, this mat is a testimony. This mat is, is demonstrating the mercy of God. When we go to the house of mercy, we should not leave empty-handed. You should leave with your mat. Because everywhere you go, you carry your testimony. You carry your story. You get to share about the goodness of God. When people see it, imagine I carried this all day today. What is Pastor James doing? Hey, why do you have that? I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you why I have this. Because I used to be bound to this for 38 years. Because I used to be fatherless and would give excuses for every single thing that happened. But then I realized that Jesus is my heavenly father. And I don't have to be broken anymore. I can have wholeness. Do not forget your mat. Don't forget your mat. You have a story. Man, I feel like someone really needs to hear that. God has done a work in your life. Don't just leave that in the past. Share that with somebody. Give God glory for what he did in your heart. You have a mat. Do not forget your mat. It's so, so, so important. Here's the last thing we need to learn about mercy. 
is that mercy is not a moment. Mercy is a movement. See, this man has two encounters with Jesus. Two very different under the surface, above the surface could maybe not seem so, but he encounters the man. He tells him, get up, take up your mat and walk. And then later on, we see that Jesus meets him once more, but this time it's in the temple. Why is that so important? It's because when we enact, when we encounter Jesus, when we go to the house of mercy, it should lead us wanting more of God. See, sometimes God does a breakthrough in our life, and we're like, okay, I'm good for another six months. No, 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 no. When we receive mercy, it should lead us like, you know what? Today, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. Today, I'm going to worship the the Lord. Today, I'm going to celebrate what God has done. He was left wanting to know more about God. Jesus finds him in the temple. And he asks him, or he tells him this. He says, look, see, you've been made well again. I've referenced the house many times in this, uh, in this message, but, you know, Jesus, he fixed the exterior the first time, but now he's going to work on remodeling the interior. See, Jesus says, see, you have been made well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Jesus not only wants to heal our weaknesses, but he wants to heal the condition of our heart. That's what mercy's for. Mercy still deals with the sin condition. It still deals with it. Yes, yes, he can cover, uh, he, he can cover our character. Yes, he's going to ask us the question, but still, brothers and sisters, we still have to deal with what's going on in the inside. Jesus was always concerned with the condition of our hearts. See, if we're not careful, we can look at mercy. We can look at God's mercy as a get-out-of-jail-free card. As a hall pass, well, I got, I got some mercy today, and I'm just going to go and behave however I want. No, mercy is not a get-out-of-jail-free pass. Mercy is not a moment. It's not just a one-time encounter that you have with the Lord. It should spark something inside of us. It should change us. What he's saying to this man, he said, look, you've been in your affirmity. You've been bedridden. You've been on this mat for 38 years, but I've told you to get up. Don't go back to the mat tomorrow. Be transformed. Live a new life. You've been given strength. You've been given your legs back. Use them for the glory of my name. Mercy should be a movement. When the children of God experience mercy, when we go to Jesus, what it should do in us is begin to flow through us to everyone else. Because we've experienced the mercy of God, other people can experience the mercy of God. Jesus ties the physical and the spiritual so beautifully. Yes, we want to see healing on the outside, breakthrough on the outside. But he's warning the man, if you keep going on sinning, it could get worse. What he's referencing is the final judgment. Man, the Lord, the Lord's spirit was so here with Chrissy, you opening this uh, in, in worship and giving the altar call. Because when I walked in, I felt impressed by the Lord. You know, we need to give a call to salvation. And so that's just confirmation that the Lord is already working. Jesus asked the question a little bit earlier than I thought, but he still did it on his own time. Jesus wants to deal with what's going on inside of our hearts, inside of our lives. Mercy propels us forward to a higher way of living. Are you transformed by the mercy that you've received from Christ? 
Are you being renewed by it? Is it feeding the way you treat your family members, the way you treat your spouse, the way you treat your, your boss or your, your friends? Is it influencing the way you see the world? Let's let Jesus spark a mercy movement through us. We look at the news, we look at television, social media, we see what people are saying. There's no mercy anywhere. It's just cancel. Jesus is not in the canceling business. Jesus is here to extend mercy to all who would welcome him in. So I want to do this. Would you stand with me? I want to ask you a question today. What is your house called? Jesus is the house of mercy, but what is your house called? Is it a house of mercy or is it a house of judgment? I want to declare something to you. Today, right now, in this moment, Jesus wants to make you a house of mercy. Jesus wants to make you a house of holiness. Jesus wants to make you a house of prayer. Jesus wants to make you a house of favor. Jesus wants to make you a house of refuge, a house of salvation, a house where people can go to and be restored. And it just begins when we receive his mercy. So come on, let's lift our hands. Let's open our hearts to allow the Lord to do a work, to ask us the tough questions. Don't be afraid of your character. He can cover your character today. Lift your hands in your houses. Reach out to the Lord. He has mercy in store for you. He has goodness in store for you. He has a plan for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future today. So let's welcome mercy in. Hallelujah, Jesus.